You're listening to the Steve Pinto Podcast, a podcast dedicated to teaching God's Word and how we can apply it to our lives in this crazy world we're living in. Oh, yeah. Today, I want to speak to you about answering the call of God upon your life. We're going to be studying 1 Samuel chapter 2 and chapter 3. And out of those two chapters, we're going to learn about how to answer the call of God. Today, our focus is going to be on the context upon which Samuel was called. And then next Sunday, we're going to be talking about how to specifically answer the call of God in dark times. Now, if you're a Christian... There is a sense in which you've already been called to salvation. If you're a Christian, the terminology that the New Testament writers use is that you have been called by God unto salvation. You've been called into the family of God. You've been called to a process of sanctification. And you've been called to salvation. You've been called by God. However, the calling that we are going to be focusing on these next two weeks is the call of God to a specific assignment in your life. See, I believe that each of us here have a specific calling from God to a specific assignment in our lives. Look, I want to share with you one of my life verses is found in Acts 13.36. It actually says this, For David after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. I love this description here. A, 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 a summary of the life of David. It tells us that David, in his own lifespan, in his own generation, accomplished the purposes of God for his generation. And then, okay, now we can bury this guy. Now he can die happily. You see, I think that just like David, God has a purpose and God has a plan for each individual in this building. Yes, he's called you to salvation, but I think that the Bible speaks about also being called to a specific assignment that God has for each of us individually. Now, that call can be as simple as a call to be a, a single person for Jesus. You're called to live a celibate life that, that uh, pleases God. You can be called to be a loving husband to your wife and to your children. You can have a call to be uh, uh, a wife that, that uh, serves the Lord and serves her family. You can be called to be a student. You can be called to uh, so many individual uh, uh, aspects of life to which we engage in. You could be called to the job you're in right now. Now, there's also some assignments I think that God gives us, some callings that God gives us that are to be used within the church for the enrichment of God's people and for the expansion of the kingdom of God. I believe that God calls us to individual assignments and all of us have that. Now, answering the call of God is both a decision and a process. Decision, process. Decision, process. This is how the Bible teaches basically every spiritual decision that we make or every spiritual behavior that we see in scripture. It's both a decision and a process. When you were saved, you were justified. 
but then you're being saved in the process of sanctification. You see, it's you, one day you accepted Christ. That was a one-time decision. But each day after that, you're accepting the will of God into your life. It's both a decision and a process. Say it with me. Decision and a process. This works with the idea of forgiveness, for example. The idea of forgiveness, God calls us to forgive. And so what do we do? We forgive. Sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes it's difficult for us to forgive. But the Bible teaches us to lead our emotion. And therefore, we make the decision to forgive. And then from that moment, it's a process. It's a decision and a process. So we forgive, but then we're forgiving. You understand? And in the process, God is doing a work in our lives. I think very similarly, the call of God works in, the, in that same way. There is a decision and there is a what? Process. There is a day in which you accept Jesus Christ. You answer the call of God to salvation. But I think there is a sense in which every day you wake up, you answer the call of God. Each morning that you wake up, you got to listen for the voice of God because he's calling you to specific assignments and purposes. Now, let me be honest with you this morning. I think that speaking about answering the call of God being attentive to the voice of God on a daily basis is a very difficult thing to talk about these days. Because you and I, we live in a time, in a place where technologies are being built to capture our attention. There are algorithms in almost every application that we use on our phones that are designed to keep you, uh, to keep your attention. They are designed to keep you there longer. They are designed and suited to what you like. The algorithms know you better than you know yourself. And so if you believe the lie, you think that the world revolves around you. Because everything that you engage with is built and suited to your liking. Now, the, the challenge with this is that as these things call us more and more in depth, we get distracted. And distraction, when we're distracted, then we lose focus of what God is really calling us to. And distraction reveals where your heart is. Distraction reveals where your heart really is. Tell me where you are so easily distracted, and I'll tell you where your heart is. So there's a lot of competing calls for your attention. That's my point. There's a lot of things that are, have been designed and are garnering your attention. They're calling you out. And we sometimes intentionally or unintentionally are answering some of these calls. And so I want to encourage you this week and next week to increase the sound of the call of Jesus in your life. And to make sure that you're answering the call of Jesus every day to whatever assignment God has given you. I want to encourage you to stay focused in distraction. I want to encourage you to stay committed in the midst of the busyness of life that is fighting for your attention. Because if your priorities are wrong, you're going to live an entire life, be buried, never fulfilling God's purpose for you. Look, there's nothing better in life than to fulfill God's purpose for you. Rich or poor, if you fulfill God's purpose in your life, you're going to die with a smile on your face. 
That's the most important thing. You may be living an entire life very comfortably and never fulfill the purpose of God in your life and you die empty. I want to invite you to answer the call of God in your life and to switch your identity. You're not a consumer. You're not a consumer. See, marketing and everything that we see around us calls you a what? Consumer. Because we consume. It's another way of saying we are people who answer calls. But you're not a consumer in that sense. You are a contributor in the kingdom of God. So we need to move from consumers to contributors. And so you were made not to consume, but to create. You were not just merely created to be entertained, but you were created to have a relationship with God. You are not only called to be saved, but you're also called to serve. And so, how do we do this? How do we answer the call of God? Well, I think that Samuel has a lot to say about answering the call of God. If you're familiar with the life of the prophet Samuel, you know that in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and chapter 3, we have that uh, famous story of the call of God. And, like, and as I said, today we're going to focus on the context of that call so that we too can learn how to answer the call of God. And many times answering the call of God begins by entering through the, through the servant's entrance. We just start serving. Wherever God's pointing, that is where we serve. Now, Samuel, as you know, he was a visionary leader. Uh, he is one of the most important characters of the Old Testament. He was a man of God. What's interesting about Samuel is that he, uh, he, was, uh, uh, he was God's agent in many different roles. In fact, the Bible tells us that he was a seer, a priest, a judge, a prophet, he was even a military leader. He was appropriately named too. His name means heard of God. Samuel means heard of God. You may be familiar with his story. You remember that Samuel's mom, Hannah, was barren, could not have any children. You remember that she went to the tabernacle. She prayed, Lord, if you give me a child, then I'm going to dedicate him to the Lord. And the Lord heard her. That's why he's named Samuel, because the Lord heard her. And so... Uh, she gets pregnant, and after Samuel was weaned, he was taken to the tabernacle. She kept her promise. She took Samuel to the tabernacle when he was four years old, and he basically left him there to serve the Lord. And that's the best place that Samuel could have grown up in, although it wasn't the perfect place as you will learn today. And so as we study this context to which Samuel enters in, I think we too can learn what it means to enter into the servant's entrance. All right, so I want you to notice a couple of things in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and in chapter 3 that I think are going to help us to move from consumers to contributors and to prioritize the call of God in our lives. All right, how many guys ready? How many guys are ready? All right. Here's the first thing I, I want you to learn. The first one is focus on serving God, not on the limitations or challenges. Focus on serving God, not on your limitations or the challenges around you. Look, there's always going to be legitimate limitations about serving God. There's always going to be legitimate 
challenges about the context in which you serve God. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 11, it says this. Then Elkanah went to Ramah. That's Samuel's dad, by the way. Ramah uh, is where the tabernacle was. He says, but the boy ministered. Everybody say ministered. He ministered before the Lord under, everybody say under, under Eli the priest. So I want you to see those two things. I want you to see how Samuel, as a four-year-old, all the way into his teenage years, he is ministering, and then he is serving under Eli the priest. Let me focus first on that first one. It says that he ministered before the Lord. I think this is amazing. This is a four-year-old kid who enters the tabernacle. He has just been weaned. And now he is there to minister. The word minister, by the way, means to serve. It's the same thing. To serve is to minister. To minister is to serve. And so Samuel entered the tabernacle under the leadership of Eli, the priest of that time. And he begins to serve there. This means that even as, an, as a young boy, he was helping with anything he could in the tabernacle. As he grew up, whatever he was able to do, he did. As he matured, whatever he could do, he did. Young as he was, Samuel served the Lord. He ministered through the Lord, to the Lord. He entered through the servant's entrance. That was how he got acquainted to God. They just brought him to the tabernacle and he began to serve. Look, and I want to tell you this morning that God is calling young people. I want to tell you this morning that God is calling young people. In a hyper-connected world that we live in, in a distracted world in which we live, the voice of God is calling young people, and he's calling you to enter through the servant's entrance. Look, in fact, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about Jesus. And when Jesus was walking around, uh, Israel, ancient Israel, along the Sea of Galilee, we often see portrayed in movies and in pictures Jesus walking around with dudes like this. Dudes that are super old, like Pastor Josh. You know what I mean? And myself as well. We have this idea that, that Jesus was walking around. Oh, it's right here. I was like, where is the picture? It's right here. We get, we get this idea that Jesus was walking around with old dude, middle-aged people uh, who, uh, who are older men. But we need to take into account the context of, uh, of the Jewish um, culture of the time. And we know that in those days, uh, people who, uh, who would serve the Lord, who would... Uh, follow in the footsteps of God or want to serve God started very, very early. In fact, just be in the cultural context, by, by the time someone was 13, especially a man, you would have to decide, it was decision time for the 13-year-old man to continue in his theological training, but this would require a rabbi to choose you and for you to commit to that life of discipleship and learning. And only those who were highly scholarly and smart and intelligent were chosen for that. But those who didn't meet the mark would just go into the normal, regular, te 
technical career many times that the father would have. So in the case of like Peter, for example, um, John, for example, Andrew, Peter's brother as well, James and John, brothers as well. What were they doing when Jesus called them? They were fishing. This means that they had been rejected perhaps by other rabbis who said, you don't have what it takes. So therefore, go and do what your dad does. What are you, why are you trying to follow a rabbi around and learn? And this is the beauty of Jesus. That Jesus came to these young men, these young men, again, anywhere from 13 to 18 years old, who are, are starting off in their life or career, and he calls them and he says, follow me. Follow me because it ain't about you, it's about who you follow. You may not have what it takes, but if you follow Jesus, you got what it takes. You understand? And so he calls these young people. It's Jesus, when we read these gospels, mostly is Jesus walking around with some teenagers. The only two adults, if you, if you will, or young adults within the group are probably uh, Peter and Matthew. Matthew is the tax collector, therefore he was already set in a Roman career, so he was probably older. And then Peter, as we know, uh, he denied Jesus three times. Do you know why he denied Jesus three times? Because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. That was a joke. That's, that's extra biblical. <laughs> Jesus did heal Peter's mother-in-law. She was sick. And then Jesus went and healed his mother-in-law. And then we fast forward and then Peter denies Jesus three times. I'm just making that connection. The, the point is, the point is that, that Peter is the only one of the disciples of the 12 that we know was actually married. And in fact, in that Jewish culture, if you reach the age of 18 to 21 and you're not married, you're considered as someone who is sinning. And so we see then, we have this idea that Jesus is hanging out with young people, and with those young people, he changed the world. Now, sometimes we look at kids, sometimes we look at young people, and we say they don't have what it takes. I think that we set our standard for young people way too low. We as parents, as a church, as a culture, we set high standards for our, our kids academically. You better get that A. Because you got to go to college. We set standards for them really, really high in sports. You better score the goal. What's wrong with you? You better be the fastest, the strongest, and you better win the championship. We set really high standards in everything they do, except in their spiritual growth. When it comes to their spiritual growth, we think about it in terms of extracurricular. You know, we talk about curricular and extracurricular. In school, in our public schools, we have things that are called curricular and extracurricular. Curricular is all the classes you have to take in order to graduate. Then you have extracurricular activities like dances, sports, um, uh, you know, clubs, whatever. But you don't have to do that stuff to graduate. You don't have to play a sport. You don't have to be in a club or anything. That's called what? Extracurricular. There's a curricular, and then there's extracurricular. And it seems to me that in the church, we've, we, we've been thinking about our young people and their connection to church and spirituality as extracurricular. As opposed to curricular. Our children must be here in the temple of God, in the tabernacle of God, in the presence of God. Because God wants to do an amazing thing in their life. How many say amen? amen. 
I'm going to say amen. Look, what I'm telling you is this. Jesus was the first youth pastor. And with his, the young people that followed him, he was able to change the world. I think that the young people that followed Jesus look more like this. They're young dudes trying to figure out life. They were young people following Jesus. Jesus didn't see their age as a limitation. And I'm here to tell you, whatever limitation you think you may have for not serving God, don't focus on that. Focus on serving God. You may think I'm too young. You may think I'm not smart enough. I don't have what it takes. My past is too dark. There's absolutely no way that I can serve God. I'm not smart enough. I can't speak like Steve up there. I can't sing like Tony up there, which is not much to say, by the way. <laughs> There's so many limitations. I'm too strong. I'm too weak. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm too ugly. I'm too beautiful. I got too much hair. I got no hair. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever limitation you think you may have, do not focus on the limitation. Focus on the call of God. Because what you're called to do is to answer the call of God. Be faithful to his call. And I, and I, I suppose that we don't have what it takes. And that's why he calls us. I suppose that we're not talented enough and that's why he's called you and he's called me. I suppose that we are people who need God so much that he's called us so that he gets the glory and we don't. So here is Samuel and he is called by God at a very young age. He's ministering, he's serving, he's entering through the, through the servant's entrance. But not only that, I want you to notice how the verse tells us there that he served under Eli the priest. Now, this is... This means, as you continue to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that this was not a favorable time to serve God there in Shiloh, where they're, where they're at, in Ramah. Because this was, a, even though it was a religious place where the tabernacle was, and people came to sacrifice to God and serve God, it wasn't a godly place. It was a religious place. It wasn't a godly place. Traditionally, it would be the sons of the priest who would take over and do the work. And Eli had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Not the TV show, not the cartoon. Hophni and Phinehas. All right? And then these two dudes, they were young adults, it seems to me, during this time, where Samuel was growing up in the tabernacle. You have this Hophni and Phinehas who are taking care of all the work in the tabernacle. They're the people who greet the people when they come to sacrifice and to worship at the tabernacle. They're the ones that are taking the meat sacrifices. They're taking the offerings and so forth. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 2.12, Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. What? See, these people had the position. They had the title. They were leaders. They ran the religious aspect of the tabernacle. And the Bible tells us in verse 12 that Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. That word scoundrels there, literally from the Hebrew when it's written, it says sons of Belial. Sons of Belial. Belial was a pagan god that was worshipped in those days. And therefore it says, the, although these guys are serving in the temple of the real God, they're not children of God, they're children of Belial. They had no regard from the Lord. They cared less about the Lord. They're going through the religious cycles, but their heart is really hard from God. Far from God. So you need to understand this. Samuel, that's the context in which he's serving. More specifically, according to 1 Samuel chapter 2, Verses 12 to 17, these men were abusing their privilege as a priest. 
and they would steal from the sacrificial meat. That is to say, they were stealing from the offering. They were taking from the offering. They were basically take the offering, like when nobody's looking, put it in their own pocket. What, the sacrifice that people would bring to God, they went above and beyond what was due for them and would take more from the people of God. They loved money more than they loved God. Not only that, in 1 Samuel 2.22, he tells us, they slept with the women who served at the entrance of the tent meeting. What? Scandal! Look, this past year, 2022, I've never heard of so many scandals in the church of prominent church leaders here in this country. Scandals, sexual scandals, financial scandals, so many scandals, scandals everywhere. And here we see, we see that these, Hophni and Phinehas, these two guys, they are sleeping around, that, that is to say, they're committing sexual immorality with the girls who were coming to worship God and sacrifice to God. They're sleeping around. They're taking advantage of their position as leaders. And they are sleeping around committing adultery, sexual immorality with the women who would come. This is ancient. This would have come, came out in all the, all the news, all the newspapers, all the websites, all through your social media. Hafni and Fineh is sleeping with women and all this stuff. They're stealing from the But here's the thing. It seems to me as if everybody was saying, that's all right. That's okay. It, was, it had become normalized. Samuel enters into a context where sin had become normalized. You understand? He was normalized. He was accepted. That's what you just do there. Now, to complicate the matter, we know that Phinehas, one of these two dudes, was a married guy. And as he was sleeping with other gir other girls, his wife is pregnant at home. In 1 Samuel 4.19, it says his daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and near the time of delivery. When she heard the news that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth, but uh, was overcome by her labor pains. Whew. So what, happens was, what happened was that when Samuel hears the call of God, one of the first prophecies that he has to tell Eli and his family is that they're going to die because of their sin. As a consequence of all this stuff that they were doing. And you fast forward, they actually went to a battle where they all died. And then the ark of God or the presence of God was stolen. And when Phinehas' wife hears this, she's like, oh my goodness. Uh, my husband is dead. My father-in-law is dead. The, the ark of God has been taken away. And then she goes into early labor. And then she gives birth to a son and dies. Isn't that crazy? And then in, in 1 Samuel 4.21, it says, She named the boy Ichabod. The glory has departed from Israel. So she goes into labor. The baby is born. She said, name him Ichabod because God has left us. God is done with us. But here's the beautiful thing. Although she thought, although she thought that God was done with them, God wasn't done. How many say Amen. See, when everything looks dark, it's Ichabod, Ichabod, God is done. There's no way. There's no hope. Everything's done and over with. God has a Samuel. God is calling Samuels to rise up in the midst of these types of contexts. Look, can I encourage you? You're never going to find a perfect atmosphere or environment or context where you can serve God. 
Never. You can go around to every single church in the world and you're never going to find a perfect space where to serve God. There's always going to be darkness. There's always going to be sinners because the church is made of sinners. Don't ever be surprised when sinners sin. There's no perfect church, man. Everywhere you go, people are going to let you down. Every church you go to, there's going to be sin there. And what, what I'm trying to convey to you is that the call of God is not to a perfect space, but God calls you to be light even in a sinful space. You're with me this morning. You're with me this morning. And so don't focus on the limitation. I'm too young, Samuel could have said. And don't focus on the challenges around you. Oh, look at all this sin over here. There's no way. I'm going to move to another tabernacle, even though he, he didn't have another tabernacle. You know what I'm saying? If God has planted you here, you need to understand that we live in a broken place, in a, in a broken environment, a broken context, and God calls us to make the difference there. Somebody say amen. And so what we have in First, in first Samuel chapter 2 and chapter 3, I see that the author is trying to get us to see a contrast. Here's Hophni and Phinehas who are going bad to worse, and then we have Samuel who is growing in the presence of God. So, in order to answer the call of God, focus on serving God, not your limitations, not the context. But number two, serve faithfully with your heart and your hands. Serve faithfully with both your heart and your hands. Now, we have both. We have beautiful Christian people who serve God with their heart. And they love God, but they never serve. And then we have beautiful Christian people who all they do is serve but their heart is really far away from God. What I want you to see is that Samuel had the privilege, because he was in the tabernacle, to grow in both aspects. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 18, it says, But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. I want you to see this. This is, this is crazy. Because the linen ephod included a breastplate, that was utilized only by the high priest, really. And so as the, as the priest would do his work in representation of God's people, the priest would wear a long robe, and on top of that robe, he would have a breastplate kind of like this with beautiful stones all over the place, two onyx stones in each of his shoulders, with, with the, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel engraved into those stones. In the shoulder class, for example, six on one side and six on the other. And it was very symbolic. Because as the priest would take the offering or the sacrifice from God's people, as he would come into the presence of God, the class on the shoulders were uh, a symbol, a representation that these, these uh, priests were, were bearing the weight of God's people. The burden of God's people. You understand? The call of God for these people. They were called to serve these people. And the, the shoulders is an extension of the hands and the service by which they did. So the priest was to serve God by serving God's people. You understand? And he had, and they had, they were supposed to have a deep burden, a burden for God's people, a call to serve God's people. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, the Apostle Paul talks about everything he suffered for the cause of Christ. And then he says, and above all that, the concern for all the churches. 
He's talking about, I have this call. I have this burden for the church. And so I wonder how many people have a burden for their generation. How many of you have a burden for the church? You understand? It's, it's, it's a spiritual weight upon your shoulders. What can I do, God, for you? Because this world's going to hell in, in a breadbasket. Do you feel that? Do you feel that weight, that burden upon you? You have to have it. God's calling you. And you feel it. That's what this is a symbol of. Not only that, the, the breastplate also had uh, uh, 12 beautiful stones, each one representing one of the, um, of the tribes of Israel, one individual precious stone for each one of the tribes of Israel. And, and, and every time that they would receive the sacrifice and they would come in representation of God's people into the presence of God, they were to have these, these names over their heart. See, the breastplate protects what? The heart. They, were, they had the call of God, but they were called to love these people. See, some of us, we, we're really good at serving people, but it's really hard to love people. <laughs> Isn't it? It's difficult. We all want to serve God, but the moment he puts us with a difficult person, it's like, I don't want to serve God anymore. Well, that's the point. That's the point. You know what I'm saying? It's not easy. It's a dark context. It's a difficult context. But you, you're called to love them. You, you See, the priest represents God to the people and the people to God. And therefore, Samuel, as small as he was, this thing should have been worn by Hophni and Phinehas. But they, they didn't. And Eli recognized that. He said, my, my sons, they're playing around. And so I'm going to, as small as Samuel is, I'm going to put the burden of service over him. Think about that. As young as he was, he was wearing the priestly gar garment and the ephod as he entered into the presence of God. Do you think that's amazing? I think that is amazing. That he, as a young boy, he was feeling the burden, burden of God to love God's people. And so, how do we... How do we walk through the servant's entrance? Well, we focus on serving God, not our limitations or the challenges. Second, we serve faithfully with all of our heart and with all of our hands. How are you guys doing? You guys okay? We're going to have these ephods for sale after church at the Connect Center. You can get two for a pair and six for half a dozen. <laughs> That's a joke. I only have one. All right, so not, no, no ephod for sale today. All right, let's establish something clear. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to laugh. Like, I don't know if I should laugh in church. It's okay to laugh here this morning. All right, so how do we walk through the servant's entrance? Focus on serving God. Serve faithfully with your heart and hands. Here's the third one. You need to increase the presence of God in your life. Notice verse 21 now, 1 Samuel 2.21. It says, meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Notice, this is all in contrast to Hophni and Phinehas. Hophni and Phinehas are stealing from the offering. They're sleeping around with the women. But then he says, but meanwhile, woo, meanwhile, Samuel was growing in the presence of God. He is serving the Lord. Although there is sin all around him, 
in spite of the ungodly uh, influences around him, he is focused on God. Look, I think God calls you to be insulated, not isolated. Sometimes we think, oh man, in order to serve God and not be contaminated by this world, I need to isolate from people in the world. I can't go to work because they play worldly music there, so I can't hear that it's going to contaminate my soul. You know, I can't live life. I can't go to the school because they're going to say things that is ungodly and therefore it's going to contaminate my soul. And so we think that in order to be more godly, we need to be isolated from, from sinful influences in our lives. What I want you to see is that Samuel is growing in the presence of God in a place where ungodliness reigns. You with me? <coughs> he's not isolated, he's insulated. That is to say that he's got enough of the presence of God within him to not be influenced by the ungodly influences around him. But rather he has enough of the presence of God to be able to stand for God. And so he serves God. He says that he's growing in the presence of the Lord. Look, I want to share with you just a, a huge principle that has helped me very much. See, Samuel had the, he had the opportunity, he had the privilege to be able to grow in the tabernacle where he was near the instruction of Eli. But then at the same time, he wasn't just getting instruction, he was serving. And how many guys know you need both? You need to serve and you need to learn. You learn and you serve. You learn and you serve. This is the only way that you're going to grow the presence of God in your life. You learn and you serve. Say it with me. Learn and serve. You need both. Some of us are really good learners. We learn. We take notes. Oh, yeah, I know the Bible, all that stuff. You come on Wednesdays. You come on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You, you listen to every podcast. You read every book. And you learn, you learn, you learn. But you never serve. And then there's others who serve, serve, serve. I'm just going to serve, 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 serve. They never sit through a sermon. They never uh, listen to a podcast. They never listen to, to I was going to say Christmas music, to Christian music. <laughs> You're never filled with the presence of God in your life. And all you do is serve, 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 serve. Look, can I convey to you that if you're going to grow, you're going to have to both learn and serve. See, it works something like this. This is you as a Christian. You come, you come to the Lord. And he calls you to salvation and you're saved. And you start coming to church on Sundays. And you learn a little bit. And you start coming on Wednesdays perhaps. You start changing what you listen to. And then you listen maybe perhaps to some more instructive uh, worship music in your life. Whew. All right. And you start every Sunday and you get into the rhythm. And you start having fellowship with brothers and sisters here in the church. And you get to, be, uh, to learn more and more. You sit here every Sunday and you learn so much. You learn so much from God's word. You sit here Sunday after Sunday learning and learning and learning. Look, can I, can I, can I suggest to you that there comes a point where you get saturated. You get saturated and you can sit here in another sermon and you're never going to grow. You can sit here for years listening to more and more sermons and you're never going to mature and grow. Why? Because that which God has placed in you, you need to put it to work. He can't pour into you if you haven't poured out what he's put into you. 
And so what we have in our churches is a lot of saturated Christians like this going through the cycles of religion, but never growing, right? It's the Peter Pan syndrome. They're adults, but they're really children, uh, uh, spiritually speaking. You understand what I'm telling you this morning? And so what, what God wants to do, if you really want to grow, if you really want to answer the call of God, is that you need to do both. You need to learn. And so let's say you come here on a Sunday and God speaks to you about loving your neighbor. And you're like, ooh, yeah, what an amazing word. Yes, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to love him very much. And then, and then you serve, right? Maybe you connect and you start serving. And the Lord puts you right next to an unlovable brother. And you're like, Lord, I thought I was going to serve you. Now they have this guy right here next to me. And then God reminds you through his Holy Spirit, remember what I taught you? Love your neighbor. You're like, oh, okay. Be patient with him. Okay. And just help him, encourage him. You don't know what he's going through. All right. Hey, pray for him. Instead of judging him, pray for him. Be there for him. All right. Cool. See, when that happens, you're emptied. And God says, okay, now I can fill him again. And then as he does that, you begin to mature. And your capacity to observe grows. And so when you learn and then you serve, you're suddenly now open for more, for God to do a lot more in your life. And so what I see in Samuel is that he is in a place near Eli where he's observing the presence of God, but then he's serving. He gets the presence of God, and then he's serving. And in doing so, his capacity, his maturity is growing. And that's what perhaps God is calling some of you to do. Some of you, you serve like crazy, but you ain't learning. And some of you are learning, you're already like, you're a PhD in theology and you ain't serving. In order for you to grow, you need to do both. You need to learn and you need to serve. All right. Let me give you one last one before we partake of the Lord's Supper today. So, to answer God's call, you have to walk through the servant's entrance. How do we do that? Number one, focus on serving God, not your limitations or the challenges around you. Number two, serve faithfully with your heart and with your hands. Third, increase the presence of God in your life. And then number four, grow congruently before God and people. I want you to draw your attention now to verse 26, 1 Samuel 226, it says this, and the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. I love this because he didn't get stuck. He continued to grow. Never did he ever get complacent. He continued to grow in all aspects in which one must grow. And so it says, the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with God. That is to say, he grew physically, he grew spiritually, he grew in all aspects better and better, which each year he matured, he grew, and, he, and although he may not have had all the titles and positions, he was growing in godliness before God and man. Now, that passage there, does it sound familiar to you? It should. Because this is the passage that, Dr. Luke utilized to explain to us how Jesus grew when he was here on earth. He actually uh, borrowed from this verse 
to describe to us how Jesus grew as well. In Luke 2.52, he says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Look, I want to grow like Jesus grew. And Jesus grew like Samuel grew. He grew uh, congruently in every area of his life. He, he never got comfortable. He never said, okay, I got enough. That's enough with me and God. That's enough with me and the Bible. He continued to grow. He never stopped. Now, notice how Jesus grows in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. Look, I think God calls us to grow not only spiritually, but in every area of our lives. He calls us to grow in our career. He calls us to grow as a husband, as a wife, as a, as a child. God calls us to grow so, uh, uh, socially within our career and the people around us. It says that Samuel grew in favor with God and with man. God's calling us to grow in every single aspect possible so that we can be the best we can to the glory of God the Father. So let's walk through the servant's entrance. Get busy learning. Get busy serving God. Answer the call of God. How do you answer the call of God? Well, start serving. Walk through the servant's entrance. What needs to be done? What can I do? And allow God to begin to put you to work. Look, and if he puts you to serve under a wicked priest like Eli, be faithful. If God calls you to tend sheep like Moses and David, be faithful. If God calls you to go look for donkeys like Saul, be faithful. If God calls you to plow the yoke of oxen like Elijah did, be faithful. If God calls you to work the threshing of the wheat like Gideon, be faithful. If God calls you to wash and to mend the nets and to bring food like the disciples, be faithful. Whatever that annoying normal call of service that God has placed before you, do it. Because God is going to use it for His glory and for His honor. If you get busy serving God, you're too busy to sin. And I think that's the problem in the church today. We're busy with so many things sinning that we don't have time for God. Get busy serving God and you won't have time to sin God's calling you it's a new year it's time to raise the voice of God the influence of God in our lives above all the distractions around us how many say amen stay tuned next week as we continue to dive into God's word and don't forget check out Pastor Steve's book The Silent Exodus available on all digital platforms oh yeah